So this morning we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians, uh, verses 1 to 11, and it goes like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, It is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, the many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your precious word, Lord. Thank you for what it does and thank you that you can use the word and it it transforms people's lives to this day. Just thank you for those young people who gave their lives to you on Friday. We bring them to you now, Lord, because I know the enemy is going to try and get in. But we just pray as the body of Christ that you will help them and you will comfort them and you will strengthen them, Lord. I just thank you for who you are and I just thank you that you still change lives. I thank you that you bring comfort where it's needed. I just pray now that you will be glorified in all that's said. I just pray that you'll open people's hearts to hear what you have to say to them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So as children, I'm sure we all owned something or did something that brought us comfort. It could have been a comfort blanket, a dummy, that was mine. We could have sucked off them, could have slept with the lights on. Still do that sometimes. These things used to bring us temporary comfort, and they helped us cope when things went wrong. But as adults or teenagers, when our lives take a turn for the worst, when we're struggling with difficult circumstances, When we can't see where we're heading, we also need comfort. But where you seek this comfort is vitally important. 
And there are things that we can go to for comfort that cause us harm. It could be developing unhealthy relationships. It could be abuse of alcohol or drugs. It could be an addiction to overeating. God is described in our passage this morning as the God of all comfort. And this is what we'll be looking at today. So if we turn back to the passage in 2 Corinthians, and don't worry if you haven't got your Bibles, it'll come up on the screen now. Um, Paul is writing with Timothy to the Corinthian church. Now, if you're not familiar with who Paul is, um, he was a follower of Jesus living in the first century who was dramatically converted to Christianity. And Paul was so completely against Christians that he was having them killed, persecuted and thrown into prison. One day, Jesus appears to Paul on the road to Damascus and Paul is so dramatically changed by this, he starts preaching the gospel everywhere. Now, Paul had a terrible time, awful time. He was thrown into prison, he was tortured, he was shipwrecked. You name it, Paul suffered it. So Paul is writing with Timothy, who was also working with Paul at the time, to tell people the good news about Jesus. And they write into a church in a place called Corinth, which is located in Greece. So Paul starts off by giving praise and thanks to God, who he calls the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble. And like we said before, Paul really suffered for the gospel. He really suffered. Yet he still calls God the God of all comfort. I think we can grasp from our own experiences, that the more you suffer, the more you need comfort in, and the greater depth of comfort that you need. It's no good when you were going through an awful time, for example, if you've lost a loved one, or you've been diagnosed with a serious illness. It's no good for somebody to come up to you, pat you on the back and wish you well. No, the deeper the pain, the deeper the struggle, the deeper the comfort needs to go. And Paul needed comfort. And here's what he suffered for God. Paul was in prison. Now, these prisons aren't like they were today. They were cruel. And these prisons were generally devoid of light. So can you imagine being stuck in a room with no light, what that would do to your psychological well-being? The prisoners would sleep on the floor. They would be chained to a jailer. And maybe people who were thrown into jail, usually before they were flogged. And so if you were sleeping on the dirty floor after you'd been flogged, beaten, you were susceptible to infection. Paul was shipwrecked three times, severely flogged. He was beaten with rods. He was exposed to death over and over again, spent a night in the open sea and received death threats. Yet through all that, He describes God as the God of all comfort. Clearly, Paul needed abundant comfort. And from what we've read today, we can see that God met that need. In verse 5, it says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. 
Paul shares that he suffered a great deal, so much so that the people he's with have despaired of life. And it's uncertain as to exactly what struggles they were talking about, but they must have been pretty bad for someone to despair of their life. But Paul writes, however, that God is the God of all comfort. And even though they were suffering, they were comforted by God. So they say that God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's a lot of comfort in that sentence. So I have a few points this morning. My first point is this. No matter what we're going through, whatever struggle, however painful it is, Whatever awful stage we are at in our lives, it is God alone who can give us the comfort that we need. Jesus promised when he was here on earth that we would be comforted. Jesus said to his disciples before he was killed on the cross that he would send his Holy Spirit to us to be with us. And he calls him the comforter. And what the Holy Spirit does is to comfort us with what God says, with the word of God. And whether that's calling to mind verses from scripture when we need them most, whether it's turning to our Bibles in the dead of night and flicking to exactly what we need to hear and read, or whether it's having the inexplainable peace that passes all understanding, the Holy Spirit comforts us in all our trials and suffering. Jesus says to his disciples before he dies on the cross, and it's the same for us too, that they will have troubles. And we have troubles in our life. In John 16, he warns the disciples of the times to follow. He says, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. Yet in all this, Jesus promises that they will be comforted by the Holy Spirit. And it's the same for us today. The Holy Spirit will keep prompting us to look to Jesus for our comfort and our strength. So in our children's talk this morning, we saw how Peter, when he fixed his eyes on Jesus, he didn't notice the abyss of the lake that was underneath him. He was walking over it. He was floating. But the second he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. Jesus doesn't always take away our difficulties. When Peter was walking on the water to Jesus, the water was still there. The possibility of drowning was still there. But when we focus on him and we remind ourselves what this life is about, remind us, when we remind ourselves how much he loves us, who he is, the joy it brings to serve him, and the amazing future we have in heaven with him, we don't sink. And even when we panic and it looks like we're going to sink, Jesus reaches down and he picks us back up. I love the verse in Isaiah 43. It's not a verse, it's a chunk. Um, And I like the way the message uh, translation puts it. And it says, don't be afraid, I've redeemed you. I've called your name, you are mine. 
When you're in over your heads, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your saviour. I paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. So don't be afraid. I am with you. So no matter what you're going through, what life is like outside of church, behind closed doors when nobody sees, whatever you're scared about, God is with you. He's pursuing you. And he's waiting for you to call out to him for comfort. So God doesn't always promise to take us out of the situation. But he does promise to be with us. Paul is a perfect, perfect example of this. Later on in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 12, verses 7 to 10, he says that he's been given a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what that is. And he cries out to God for him to take it away. But God doesn't. And here's what God says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. God uses Paul's weaknesses so that God may be glorified through Paul. And Paul is satisfied with this because he knows that he's going through trials, but God is with him every step of the way and that brings him comfort. And knowing that his suffering is going to bring God glory brings him the ultimate joy. Romans 8, verse 28, and it's one of my favourite verses in the Bible, says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I've come to the stage in life where if I'm going through struggles and trials, I know where my focus needs to be. I know that if it's not on Christ, then I'm not going to be comforted. But when I look to Christ, I see I'm loved. No matter what I'm going through, no matter who's against me, no matter how painful things are, I know who I serve and I'm safe and secure in Christ and that brings me comfort. And it's funny because it's usually in these times that God teaches us something valuable and he moulds us and he shapes us. Strangely, the most important lessons I've ever learned have been in suffering and have been in times of trial. I don't know if it's the same for everybody, But when I suffer, I know that I need to lean more on God because I can't do it in my own strength. But I know that in him there is comfort and there is peace that transcends all my understanding. I now know that when I suffer, God is going to use that. And he's going to use that for good. So please remember that if you are suffering at the moment, if you're going through hard times, God's not left you in your suffering. 
God is with you and he's not distant. One of my favourite Christian poems is Footprints in the Sand. And I think it paints a really beautiful picture of what God's comfort is like. And I'll read it to you this morning. It goes like this. One night, a man had a dream. He dreamt he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it had happened at the very lowest and saddest times of his life. Now, this really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times of my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you most, that you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you, and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. So my second point this morning is that we should comfort others in the same way God has comforted us. In verses three to four of the passage we're looking at, it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. And a good way to look at it when you're going through trials is say, okay, I'm suffering and it's painful, but who is this going to help in the future? Don't let the devil get you down. If you were suffering, just think of how that is going to be used by God in the future to help someone else. Part of my testimony, which you heard at my baptism, um, was that for years I battled, in the, battled with my mind. And I struggled and suffered silently for years. Believing God didn't love me. I believed that I was unforgivable. Then God gently, for a long time, because it took a long process of healing, showed me that, yeah, I do love you and that no sin is more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ. And if I put my trust in him, I'm heaven bound. And I said in my testimony that night that if I could help one person with all the suffering that I'd been through, then that would all be worth it. All the suffering would have been worth it. And guess what? That night, people were comforted because people had been dealing with the same thing. And I didn't know until I'd revealed it. So your sufferings can help others with the same comfort you've received from God. Each of you has a story. Each of you has a testimony of how God has pulled you through something. And he can use that for good. So let him use your suffering for good, to help others, to offer them comfort. You know, I was working in the vestry on Wednesday um, and I was able to see the wonderful work that they do in the healing rooms. 
and it was my own ignorance. Um, but I'd always been under the impression that the healing rooms were for physical, uh, were just purely for physical um, problems. But I quickly learned that that wasn't true. And instead, what I heard was our wonderful volunteers offering God's comfort into emotional situations and struggles. They were sharing God's comfort with others. And they were sharing the truth of God's love, sharing the facts that people's sins were forgiven and letting them know that God has a plan. And I just wanted to encourage you because you're doing an amazing job and it really touched me this week. But as a church, that is what we should be doing. We should be carrying each other's burdens. We should be comforting those who are hurting. We should spend time with those who are struggling. We should cry with them, be real, be relatable, be open, and just be there. In the book of Philippians, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi from his jail cell. And we looked earlier at what the conditions were like in prison. They were dreadful. Yet Paul, in his letter, he's thinking about this people, this church, who were united together. And they were supporting each other. They loved each other. And he was filled with joy about that. Just thinking of his Christian family brought him joy, even in the horrible situation he was in. Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 3 to 5, that he thanks God every time he remembers them. Why? Because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Working together to share the gospel, to impact people for Christ, it stems from the love we've received from Jesus and the love that we have for each other. The way we hold each other up and comfort each other when someone's hurting If we can't love people in our own church, then we're not going to love people outside. So my final point this morning is that God can empathize with our trials, which makes him truly the most amazing comforter. Jesus, the son of God, he's been there. He's lived life on planet Earth. He understands and he can empathize. He's gone through all our trials and struggles. Aren't you so grateful that our God, our holy God, our God who is surrounded in glory, saw our sin and our mess and said, yeah, I want to be with them forever. I'll go down to earth, suffer for them and die, taking their punishment so that they won't have to. Jesus has walked in our shoes, which means he's not a distant God. He's not a God who watches a struggle and does nothing about it. He says, I understand exactly what you've gone through because I've been there too. He takes our mess, our sin, our shame, and he puts it on himself. He says, I'll suffer this so you don't have to. I'll suffer the worst death in the world to win you back. I'll go through the agony and torture so you won't have to eternally. And this is about as personal as it gets. So all our secret shame, the mistake that we've made that we won't admit to anyone, Jesus says, I'll take our punishment for that. I'll take the punishment on myself at the cross. This means that our sins have already been punished at Calvary. 
This means that when we put our trust in Jesus, he comes into our lives. No question, and he transforms us. He walks with us through the difficult times and through the times of joy. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus has died. And he goes to the tomb, and he's been dead three days. And when Jesus sees everyone crying, the Bible says Jesus wept. He loved Lazarus and he loved the people and he loves you so, so much. And he hears you cry out to him in the middle of the night when everyone's asleep. And he sees your suffering. He hears your hurt and he listens. He's right there with you. And he's saying, keep your focus on me. I'll help you in this. I'll walk with you. You are not on your own. This trouble you're going through is only temporary. We'll get through this together. Don't fight on your own. Just trust me. Trust in Jesus and you will find all the comfort you will ever need. So can we just close our eyes and acknowledge that Jesus is here with us? Let him wrap you in his arms and give him the things that have been troubling you. The Bible says to cast all your worries and anxieties onto him because he cares for you. He wants you to trust him. Maybe you've been focusing on your own strength in times of struggle. Don't do that because you're not strong enough and you'll burn out. God has an inexhaustible supply of strength and comfort. Cry out to your heavenly dad and let him comfort you. Let him pick you up when you fall and let him console you when you're struggling. Let go and let God. Now, if you've been struggling with something and would like someone to pray for you or you'd like to talk to someone, just hang back at the end because there's no problem that with God on our side, we can't solve together. So this is a time of silent prayer. This is just between you and God. And just give him all your worries, all your concerns. And then flood you with the comfort that comes from him.